0: Welcome back to Plotted. This starts our Halloween series for the rest of this month.
1: Yes, because it's October and Lord knows we're going to do Hocus Pocus at some point. So definitely look forward to that. For sure.
0: (laughs) So we're going to be doing some scary movies. And with that, there's a trigger warning that in these movies, we will be discussing some uncomfortable topics like blood, gore, and sex. Yes. Among other things. So be warned.
1: (laughs) So if you don't want to talk about that,
0: Wait till November.
1: <laughs> then we'll be watching Hallmark movies. But <laughs> well, let's go ahead to inter- introduce ourselves to the people who don't know us. I'm
0: Ashlyn. I'm Jana. And this is Plotted. Where we discuss plots and dissect them and talk about storytelling techniques. We just love ripping things apart, so let's oh, do yes. this. <laughs> <laughs> Rip away. All right, so what did we watch tonight, Ashlyn? We watched Crimson Peak. Uh, That's so good. It is. It's (laughs) so
1: good. Uh, And who is the director? Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Guillermo
0: del Toro is just a fantastic storyteller.
1: I mean, if he's anything like this movie was, I'm definitely going to watch more stuff. Oh, yeah. For
0: sure. But But plot synopsis. um, So we have our main character, Edith. Uh, The plot is set in... I believe Victorian era. Very much Victorian. Ashlyn's a historian, so she'll tell me if I'm wrong. (laughs) It's definitely Victorian. (laughs) It's across America and London. Um, Edith is a writer, a female writer, and during that time period... That's very frowned upon unless you write romance <laughs> that's true um so she's going through a tough time trying to get her manuscript accepted because it's about ghosts it is about ghosts <laughs> <laughs> much like the rest of the movie yes yes edith has a complicated history with ghosts right after her mother died she saw her ghost and the mother's ghost warned her about a place called crimson peak of course at the age of like 11 she was like, I don't know what that means. I'm just scared out of my mind. <laughs> and plus, her
1: mom comes back as a skeleton draped in black. Yeah. In black veil. So, I don't think she was
0: really paying attention to what she was saying. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Those fingers were creepy. They oh, creepy. <laughs> so, uh, Edith is... I don't remember where she is at the beginning. She's in New York. And 100%. her father is over this... Um, Some kind of business company. Lo- he, yeah. We're, we're just going to say that
1: he's a... Um, Entrepreneur.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's over this group of men, and they have hearings about new inventions. Like Shark Tank. It, they're Shark Tank. It's Victorian it, no, Shark Tank. It very much is, yeah. Oh, yes. my gosh.
1: <laughs> and uh, what happens is is that this new guy, what's his name? I call him Tom, because, like, oh, my God, really? It's actually Thomas Sharp, yeah. So it's Thomas, because he's <laughs> played by Tom Hiddleston. Anyway, <laughs> so, so Tom comes in. Okay, Thomas I mean, comes in and uh, pitches this sort of uh invention that mines
0: this red clay in a way which only exists in london within this universe like it doesn't pertain to america at all yeah and apparently
1: this red clay is where is on a hill where he lives so he's trying to say like oh, how great this would be if we get this up and running. I need money. Yeah. And then the dad is just like, this is useless. Why would we do this? This is stupid. <laughs> he goes,
0: how un-American of you. <laughs> exactly. Pretty much just like, oh, what title shames him. <laughs> right, right. He was like, just because you're a lord doesn't mean you're a lord in America. So, exactly. bye. At this point, Edith has been listening in and she kind of you know, kind of does a double take because this is a hot British dude. Yes, he yes, he And is. he's the youngest man there. Yes. The next part of the
1: movie, it really goes into her and Thomas flirting and like getting to know each other. Because we all know that they're going to get together at some point. And then whenever it's the night that Thomas wants to propose, his father. father does some digging on him and finds some dirt on him and his sister. Yeah. So her father... Confronts him and he's like, Listen, here's money. You need to leave because I don't trust y'all and y'all are sketch. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, yeah, we understand. We're gonna leave. And then Thomas and his sister Lucille. That's they. Sorry, I didn't think I mentioned her before. So the father's like, But before you leave, you must break my daughter's heart. And he's like, Okay, cool. That's what I'll do. (laughs) So then, Deal. 100% that's what I'll do. So then, in front of everyone, he pretty much just says that she's a bad writer and that she's too feminine as a writer and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, because she bared her soul to him in the form of giving her him the draft of her first novel. And at first he was like, wow, I love this. You're such a great writer. And so for him to do that, it was just the ultimate form of betrayal. And we think him and
1: Lucille have finally left. Um, And then we find out that her father gets uh, killed mysteriously by this guy. By or girl, hand. Who knows. Before they leave, Edith gets this note that says, oh, I was forced, from Thomas, that says, I was forced to do this, your father doesn't like me, I just hope to gain his trust later, blah, blah, blah. And so she runs after him, and she's like, no, don't leave, I love you. And he was like, I would never leave you, of course not. And then they have this moment, they stare into each other's eyes, and of course they kiss, which in Victorian times, you're not supposed to do that in real life, because like that's very... Excuse my language, it's very whorish, but (laughs) but, uh, we're just
0: gonna overlook that. They really can't do that. Oh, wow. I I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's like very bad. Well, first, they discover her father is dead, and so she has no other ties to America. Mm -hmm. Uh, She accepts Thomas's wedding proposal, and that begins the second half.
1: Yes, so then, now she's in London, in the worst place ever, because he takes her, he's supposed to be this, what, baron? He's a lord or something, yeah. yeah. and he's supposed to be, like, super rich, turns out he lives, in not a great place. He lives in a mansion, but, like, there's there's no ceiling. Yeah,
0: there's no ceiling. There's and also, like, a lot of dead bugs, and, like, the floor is sinking into the dirt. And as I was discussing- <laughs> It's a typical Louisiana house, honestly. No, okay,
1: yeah, honestly, yeah. Except, like, you don't get the humidity or the mosquitoes. yeah. Know. But, and as I was discussing with Jan, I was like, listen, I understand that they're barren and baroness and all that stuff, but there's no reason why it has to be this dirty. Like, I get that it's breaking <laughs> down, but there are flies and bugs and leaves and they just need to get it together. <laughs> it looks like a frat house after, like, a homecoming party. The story progresses with, um, Edith and her, she's kind of sexually frustrated because she can't. Be with her husband. Lucille um,
0: keeps like getting in the way. Yeah, like they'll have a really sweet moment, and then whoop! Here comes the sister with like tea. Yeah, it's or something, and it's like wow. She's just trying to be alone with her husband, and
1: it's very it's very gross.
0: Um, (laughs) uh,
1: Thomas and Edith really start to get to know each other better. She gets into like what he's what his research is going into, and um, they're just getting closer and closer, and then there's the seal, like, in the background staring at them. Um, Always lurking. Always lurking. <laughs> um, but then you find out that she gets visited by these ghosts that want her to leave. Uh, very threateningly, they don't ever use their words. Yeah, they're, they're just, they're like, moaning and looking. groaning
0: and shrieking and half-formed, and their organs are spilling out everywhere.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not it's not nice. Yeah.
0: The ghosts lead
1: her to this underground room, which is where all the clay apparently is, like, Clayifying? I don't know. I don't know. know. It looks like really juicy jelly. Exactly. It looks like jam. Yeah. <laughs> and then she sees the crate marked with Enola. So now she's like, hmm, very suspicious. <laughs> she also visits the post office and she gets a letter from Milan. Milan, Italy. Yeah. So <laughs> she's like, I never met anyone from Milan. The post office, very, sec- very sassy, is like, uh yeah, you do. <laughs> Going out with her husband and finally having sex with him. Um, it's Lucille is not thing. around because there's a snowstorm. That's the only thing stopping her. <laughs> uh, and whenever she finds out that they've had
0: sex, she gets very aggressive. She freaks out, like, almost hits, um, Edith over the head with a, I don't know, pan of scrambled eggs. Yeah. I think we decided. She ruined breakfast, that's all we
1: yeah. Now we find out that Thomas has had multiple wives that
0: have all died, and she's starting to piece together that this place may not be good for her. Yeah, because at the same time, as Edith is doing all this in the Crimson Peak House, Alan, her um, crush from New York, is figuring out- Oh, Raul. (laughs) He's figuring out that the father was sus of Thomas and hired a private investigator. And so now they're unraveling some clues showing that Thomas has been married before and is technically still legally married. She also finds this recording where it
1: tells her- it's like a recording or a letter.
0: It was a recording of a another lady talking to Thomas, and they're talking. She's asking him to say "I love you"
1: into oh, the recording, yeah, but he won't,
0: cause he doesn't.
1: Yeah,
0: and <laughs> he a Yeah,
1: he really is. And then we find out turns out how they're killing all these women is because they're poisoning the tea. She really just gets sicker and sicker, and then they're they're trying to nurse her back to health, but she refuses to drink the tea. But Lucille, being smart, just puts it in her food, um, so she just keeps getting sicker. And then the ghosts wake her up one night, and it's like, hey you need to go do this thing, you know. Mm -hmm. But very subtly, they don't actually say that.
0: So then, worse. Yeah,
1: they literally don't use their words, but that's okay. (laughs) So then she goes up to like the tallest part of the building and finds Lucille and Thomas, and we can just let's in a
0: compromising position. Very
1: compromising indeed.
0: So and so Edith and Lucille have this fight, and Edith is like, "You lied. You're not his sister. You're his wife." And Lucille is like. Haha! I actually am his sister, and you're on Game of Thrones. And it pushes her off a balcony. Yes. You would think that
1: they would have tried to kill Edith after this, but no. They still need her to sign the papers that says that they get the inheritance of Edith. Yeah. So, they kept her alive. They want the insurance money. Of course they do. It's all about the money. Alan makes his way to England. And during this time, very conveniently, he shows up and he's like, Oh, uh, what happened to Edith? They're like, oh no, she's sick.
0: <laughs> she fell down the stairs. And uh-huh.
1: clumsy. <laughs> and then he tries to take her away because he also knows that they're sketch. And he reveals that Lucille actually killed Lucille and Thomas's mom because the mom was abusive. Uh, they kind of hint at that, but not really. But no, she killed her whenever she was like 14.
0: Um, you know, typical puberty stuff. Exactly.
1: So then Raul slash Alan. Tries to uh,
0: get Edith away. Uh, Lucille stabs him. Yeah, he ends up getting stabbed by Lucille and Thomas. Mm-hmm. But then Thomas, being the two-faced snake that he is, stabs Alan in a place that won't kill him, so he can bring him down to the creepy basement with all the red clay. Because and be like, you can escape. It's okay. I'm gonna save Edith too.
1: Because Thomas loves Edith. Plot twist. And he wants yeah. them all to be together edith lucille and him because he doesn't he doesn't get that there's a third wheel anyway (laughs) he doesn't get that they don't get along exactly no that's not going to happen lucille has edith kind of under pressure to sign these papers um and eventually does after like burning her manuscript which we think was the most atrocious thing that happened oh my gosh yeah and honestly edith stabs Lucille and tries to get away thomas finds her and
0: is like no just wait for me I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna go talk to Lucille, you know, the crazy psychopath that's trying to kill you.
1: Yes, and he pretty much proposed to Thropple, and uh, Lucille was like, Excuse you, and stabs him multiple times. So now we're just in this big comic between Edith and Lucille because Lucille is now grief stricken after killing
0: her brother slash lover. They end up fighting outside of the mines, and Edith is able to distract Lucille because Thomas's ghost appears. And that gives Edith an opening to kill Lucille and finally be free of Crimson Peak.
1: And then they all lived happily ever after except for Thomas and Lucille.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Alan and Edith do get away and go back to New York. But the final shot of the film is Lucille's ghost playing piano in the Crimson Peak Manon. Yes. (laughs) Manon. They're in the Manon. The
1: Manor. (laughs) (laughs) The Manon. So, and that is pretty much the plot.
0: That's the summary. The summary.
1: <laughs> now, what we usually talk
0: about at this point is the characters in the story and also mm-hmm. what we, the plot holes. I mean, there's there are a lot of plot holes. I think we're going to also be expanding on some storytelling um, structure and technique in play here because this is honestly like a great example of gothic horror and just literary fiction at its finest. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, Let's start with Edith. Okay, Edith. Yes, is my favorite character. I love her. I love that she is both. She just embodies the strong female character so well because she's, she's strong and she fights for herself. And honestly, every situation she gets herself out of, but she still has that feminine side of like, I'm gonna wear a pretty dress and like, be with my husband. You know.
1: Oh yeah, no, she's totally. She's very relatable for what. Oh, for she sure. is a writer. Yeah. But she also tries to go against the social norms by being her own person. Mm -hmm. Um, But she also struggles with that because she struggles in the beginning about finding a husband. She doesn't really want to. She wants to live by her own rules. Then as soon as she falls for someone, that ends up being her demise. So I really think the story does well with making her character struggle between the identities of Mm -hmm. I want to be my own woman and be more modern into the Victorian era versus just becoming a rich wife. Yeah. For sure. And as we found out in the story, becoming the rich wife does not work out for her. No. We've all seen the stories where it's like this guy comes into town and he's has a title. He seems to be rich, very romantic, has an accent. Um,
0: <laughs> That's all I'm looking for in a man. And I'm then you're
1: you're the quirky one that no one seems to like very much. Because you're so modern and you're like, oh, well, maybe I can be domesticated because of him. Right. Beauty and the Beast sort of thing. And then you just see how that doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. She really should have just stayed where she was, but she kind of got caught up in the romance of it all.
0: Yeah. Plus, he was, he's a little different and she was a little different, at least according to society's norm. So that really just drew them both together. Exactly.
1: So let's get into Thomas then. Ooh. Oh, Hiddleston.
0: <laughs> I love you, Hiddleston. Honestly, like even if you hate horror, I'd I'd watch it for Hiddleston.
1: Honestly, <laughs> his piercing blue eyes make the whole movie. Oh, for sure. But so his character is a very interesting one to dissect, and we go back and forth about him all the time. Oh
0: my gosh, yeah. Because
1: you want to hate him and you want to love him. Yeah. It's almost like Phantom of the Opera all over again. Right. And if y'all have seen this, you know where this comes from. <laughs> um. So he definitely has that very innocent side where you see her, see him falling in love, but. You you also see his struggle with him and his sister, mostly because there is apparently that relationship, but also <laughs> you can tell that he was- man- emotionally manipulated by her and he Since doesn't feel like really... a
0: child, yeah.
1: yeah, so he's definitely like emotionally immature,
0: mm mm-hmm. and that really reveals itself whenever he and Lucille are alone or whenever more so when he and Lucille are alone, just the way he'll like talk, especially the end scene where he's proposing that the three of them could be happy somewhere together and you're thinking no like do you not understand what's happening and i really think he doesn't understand he doesn't really fully grasp it because he's been so manipulated by her you also have to keep in mind with
1: his character and once you watch the full movie you really start to understand that he was pretty much raised by his sister mm-hmm. his mother was abusive he relied on her and she kind of took advantage of that yeah um and manipulated him to do what she wants did he want to go find all these wives and kill them and take their money? No. That's what Lucille wanted him to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the reason why we struggle with it is because it's like, you are a grown man. You should be able to make your own decisions mm-hmm. and also see what right is from wrong. Right. Which is why at the end he, he is a little bit more redeemable. Right. Because he starts to see the error in his ways, kind of. Yeah. Because if he really saw... The, I think his ghost saw really what was going on. Because yeah. he helped... Her kill her. <laughs> helped her kill Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was a, that was a little there. confusing.
0: Uh, he helped Edith kill Lucille. Yeah. Um, that and you see that struggle a lot because he clearly throughout the movie knows what they're doing is wrong. But yes. he's doing it anyway, which adds that layer of complexity because you're like, okay, on the one hand, he's been abused and manipulated since he was a child. Yes. But then he definitely recognizes that murdering people for their money is bad.
1: Exactly. So,
0: he's very complex. And then
1: the more... And at first, he seems okay with it. It's almost like a game. Like He's like, yeah, "Yeah, I picked the right person. This is what's going on. And then the more he gets to know Edith, the more he falls in love with her, the more he starts to question his life and everything that they've done so far. So, Lucille is actually a very interesting character by herself. Mm -hmm. Because she is evil, we do hate her. But she also has a little bit of redeemability because of how she was raised. And if you think about her killing her mom, yes, terrible, awful thing, but she was really just trying to protect her and her brother. Mm. Um, That's about as much good as I can say about her.
0: Right, it was still um, a horrible thing to do, but that's like, within the story and the character arc, that's her one redeemable. Yeah, you know? and it's
1: like, it's kind of redeemable because, I say kind of, because it's still a bad thing. Like she chooses violence instead of maybe trying to find help. Right. So, she doesn't handle situations well. And she's very, very impulsive.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. Which you
1: can see multiple times throughout the movie. And she's also very possessive and um, dishonest and manipulative.
0: She's
1: she's a sociopath. She's 100%. And a narcissist. Yeah. So, it's... Everything she does is for herself. Yes. And in the movie, you find out that she's the one behind Everything so she's mm-hmm. very, very smart as well, yeah, which is also a very lethal combat con- combination <laughs> yeah combination, <Conobination. laughs> so those are the our three main characters, but them all being together, this is what makes it a really, really good story, oh
0: my gosh, yeah, the dynamic they bring to each scene is so good because you have Edith, who is the hopeful, curious, almost childlike curiosity to her, and then Thomas, who is kind of. This gray character, very mysterious, kind of floating in and out of the waves. Very childlike and naive. Very childlike and naive, and then Lucille, who's very stoic and sociopathic. Mm-hmm. And the dialogue between these three characters is so good every single time they're together in a room.
1: Yeah, and you can also see the struggle we were talking about when we were watching the movie was through their costumes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Edith I is always it. in bright colors. Uh, Lucille is not ever. Mm-hmm. And then Thomas
0: is kind of a combination of the two. He'll always be wearing, like, grays or lighter grays.
1: Yeah. Maybe
0: blues.
1: Right. So you can definitely see that Edith is definitely um, the hope left in the house because all of these ghosts that are trapped there, they're trying to warn her against the family. But I I also believe that they're also trying to, like, break this uh, cycle of death. For sure.
0: And let's segue into the ghosts because I have a lot to say to them. Yes. Because, oh my gosh, they can communicate with her. Like at the end, they're speaking full sentences to Edith. Yes, we're getting into a little bit of the plot holes. But for the whole movie, yeah, this is, yeah. The whole movie, they're groaning and moaning and screaming and screeching and like scaring the crap out of her. And then all of a sudden at the end, one of them's like, gives her clear instructions on what to do. And I was like, you guys are jerks! <laughs> exactly. And
1: I, and I I mean like I know some people can argue that the more that um, Edith starts to recognize that these ghosts are there to help her and also like are not scared of them that they start talking to her. But she's tried to communicate with them multiple times during the movie. Yeah. And they've always reacted almost violently. Yeah. Um, definitely tried to, tried to scare her. And I mean maybe the ghosts are just awkward. i mean
0: relatable i mean if that's that's what it is they need to tell me because then we can have some closure and some communication
1: yeah but otherwise
0: it's like you could have told me this whole time and you just chose to scream at me exactly horrible roommates so maybe if the the
1: movie they tried to give her that information without it being completely direct that would have fixed it um, but honestly, it's a, it's a very small critique for me. I don't think yeah. that that has to be completely rewritten.
0: I know. I was bringing them up during character session because they are also big character. Like, the whole house is a character. Oh, yes. In the film. But the ghosts are very, very well characterized. Not individually, but as a whole. Like, mm-hmm. they just bring this malevolent energy as characters. And they do help kind of drive the plot forward. Oh, they do. But, I mean, each one of them has such an, invi- an individualized visceral like rawness to them mm-hmm. like you just don't forget them
1: <laughs> no and can we just say that the um the effects in this movie and also how they designed their ghost was very creepy but also like very i want to say satisfying
0: it wasn't overly gory and also like it matched the aesthetic it did and that's it, something i love about guillermo del toro's movies is they have strong aesthetics, and he sticks to them, and I love that.
1: And also, they aren't like your typical ghosts. Yeah, they're deformed. They don't look. They look human, but they also don't look human mm-hmm. because like some of their eyes are a little too big to be human. Yeah, or
0: their faces are bashed in, or con-
1: or their whole body's contorted, and it just doesn't look like it could have been a person. Yeah, and it looks like a monster. Yeah, so that was very well done. I really like that. I
0: think that might also represent how the house kind of consumed them and turned the monster or not monstered them, <laughs> dehumanized them. <laughs> That's true, too, because
1: the house during this whole movie, too, is in itself distorted. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't match. None of it makes sense. Um, it's, they even admit it's just
0: to not knowing how many rooms are in it at one point. Yeah, so. and it's
1: it's rotting away, and it's just, it, it is, like Jana said, it's like its own being. hmm So, and I think they did very well in that as well. As well, as well. I mean, <laughs> don't write that. <laughs> it's bad writing. That's bad writing.
0: <laughs> but um, no, from a character perspective, these characters really led and drove the story, which is what you want when you're, especially when you're writing horror, because then it just sticks with you so much longer. Because like we were talking as we were watching it, how. I mean, how many movies about ghosts and houses have you seen?
1: Oh my god, so many.
0: Yeah, and this one, though, it just sticks with you because the characters are so memorable and their struggles are so even relatable on a certain level.
1: Right, and also because the whole warning in all this movie is to beware of Crimson Peak. So already in your head and already from these movies that we've seen before, we're thinking that she has to be aware of the house and the Mm -hmm. ghosts. They're going to kill her. They're going to get to her. But the movie draws us back to people. Mm-hmm. It's the people that screw everything up. It's not the place. Mm-hmm. So I really think that they were pulling like in, a magician's trick.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, look
1: at this. <laughs> don't look at that. They pulled a blind side. Or, look over here. Exactly. <laughs> so whenever you first watch the movie, you honestly don't realize how creepy Lucille and Thomas are. Yeah. But then as soon as, soon as you realize and you rewatch it that the, that the house is on her side, it's completely obvious. Mm-hmm.
0: Oof these characters, I love them. I wish I could write them. (laughs)
1: Me too. (laughs) I mean, they're so
0: messed up, but at the same time, it's like, whoa, you made me feel things.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So let's expand a little bit more on why this works so well. Yeah. usually a lot of people wonder why, um, why genres work or why the genre works so good. So it is a horror movie, but the thing is is that it's not just a horror movie. Yeah. It's also a romance. Mm-hmm. So the more... We have learned that the more genres you put into a film or into a book, the better it becomes if you do it correctly. Yeah. So the fact that they've combined such polar opposites together and woven it in very, very prettily... <laughs> um, with prettily. Its, prettily. Prettily. <laughs> with, the, uh, with the aesthetic and with the characters and with the romantic tension as well with the horror cuz you're also involved in the romance as much as you're involved with the ghost. So that what's that's what really makes it multi-layered.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. especially like you look at shows like Stranger Things mm-hmm. and you see that multi-genre like com- coming together and from a storytelling perspective that really helps you get a better audience because you're you're covering more ground. Exactly. It's so hard to do well, though, which is why this movie astounds me every time I watch it because I'm like, there are moments where I'm so like pride and prejudice invested in this. Yes. Like there are scenes between Thomas and Edith that me and Ashland watch and we're like, oh, my heart flutters.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the romantic tension, they do tension very, very well in this yeah. movie. Yeah. And I think the only way that to really describe it is to compare it
0: <laughs> to He's All That. I feel like He's All That is going to be our favorite film of the year because really we talk is. about it so much. <laughs> yeah, so if you listen to our He's All That episode and if you haven't, you definitely should. We talk a lot about how there's no tension, and that's why the story they're, falls flat.
1: The romantic tension between them, it's a love story.
0: It's a romantic comedy. There should be a lot of tension, mm-hmm. uh, and there were none. So that, that says a lot that a horror movie had more romantic tension than an actual romance.
1: Whenever you're writing, you really don't want to reveal too much, mm-hmm. and you also don't want it to feel forced. So the chemistry yeah. between the two characters really worked with each other. Mm-hmm. Mostly because, like Janice said in the beginning, they're both kind of outcast a little mm-hmm. bit. But also, you can just see, it, feel the tension from, like, the longing looks. Oh, my gosh. Also, because <laughs> she, like I said in the beginning, she's struggling with being her own person and being in a romance. And the romance kind of is more fantasy than reality. So, mm-hmm. she gets taken away by it. But we all do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Because, like I said, the rich guy with an accent oh comes man. in. Oh, man.
0: Well, that and they, they give them... I like to call them soft scenes. Yes. And I call them that because when I write hard scenes, it's normally like fighting and action or somebody dies or they're dealing with a very complex idea. Soft scenes are when the characters have a moment together to process or just have some dialogue, like, like, a, like when you're watching an animated show and there's a beach episode. Like there's always a beach episode. Or they're yes. just hanging out at the beach. So the soft scenes in this movie are so good. They have scenes with Edith and Thomas together where they deliver some amazing lines that me and Ashlyn still quote because yes. we've seen this movie multiple times. Um, and they, they really hammer home on the characters' values and their motives. Like there's a scene where Edith and Thomas get away and they go stay in an inn for a night during a snowstorm, and he, he kind of looks off dramatically and brooding, which he's done for the whole film, and you can tell it irritates her endlessly. And she looks at him and says, Why? You keep looking to the past, but I'm right here waiting for you or something along those lines and you're like wow because she's she's definitely living in modern victoria era like ashlyn said but he is so like emotionally immature and so attached to his sister and his past and that house that that scene just really hits home and it creates that perfect tension
1: yes and also it reveals the tension of how much she is longing for him yeah and how much she is trying to grab his attention because mm-hmm. she realizes that she that he is struggling internally, but she doesn't say any of this. Yeah, she doesn't say like you're struggling with our marriage or struggling with these with your decisions. She just is trying to draw him away from that. Yeah, by being very subtle mm-hmm. and also just and also being very real. So I think that's where he all said They tried to do that. But it didn't come off that way. Yeah, because
0: they never really communicate their own values outside of criticizing them. Yeah. You know, they never find any common ground.
1: Or whenever he does reveal that his mother passed away, she just says, That sucks. Yeah, or something." like, like, or I'm I'm sorry. Like, she doesn't really
0: expand on it. Yeah. Or offer him, like, that much comfort. Yeah, so the tension just fizzles out because you're like, well
1: and also whenever they're delivering these lines
0: in (laughs) that too they're just very stone-faced they're very (laughs)
1: stone-faced but also in um in crimson pink when they're delivering, like they're entangled with each other or they're they're looking at each other
0: or you know they're very vulnerable like send shivers down your spine type looks of longing and whatever hiddleston does really good heart eyes he really does puppy eyes and i'm like darn it, you got me again. (laughs)
1: Right. And then also like the more, and we start to like Thomas more too, is because he shows actual interest in what she likes. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about wooing her and trying to impress her. He really takes the time to
0: read her manuscript, which was so sweet. Yeah, Like honestly, as a writer, I'm like, I just want a guy to read my manuscript and be like, wow, you're brilliant. And I love the way you wrote the characters. And I'd be like,
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like they're actually having an actual discussion. Like the first part of the book, they don't really talk about romantic book love. Movie. Oh my god. <laughs> like the first part of the movie. Uh, the
0: watches lines like a book. blur together. They really do. Whenever
1: in the first part of the movie, they don't really talk about romance until the very end before he proposes.
0: Right. It's right. all very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, they're not friends because they definitely have that underlying romantic tension. But they communicate amicably as if they were friends, or yes. even just like this, this spark. There's just this spark between them. Mm-hmm. I especially love um, the scene where they're at. There's like a lavish ball while they're in New York in the first oh, half, yes, yes. and um, he he proposes that they do this called this called like the candlelight waltz, where the partners hold a lighted candle between, or yeah, between them. Yeah, but in the same hand, in the same hand, and they have to dance without the flame going out. And oh my gosh, it's like, I would compare it to the scene in Star Wars where Kylo Ren and Rey, like, their hands just kind of touch. And you're like, I felt more Uh, intimacy in that moment than anything, you know, in any film I've ever seen. Yes. If you have any questions about how
1: to increase this tension, I'm still learning. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Tension is hard.
1: But tension is hard to recreate. But definitely watch a movie like this where Mm -hmm. you're having a hard time. Distinguishing um, t- because he's bad and because she's good, and you know they're not supposed to be together. Mm-hmm. This
0: is a good tension sort yeah. of movie to watch. Right. And something else that plays into that is the father's suspicion. Oh
1: my God. Because yeah.
0: from the beginning, the father does not like Thomas. And you're kind of like, why doesn't he like him? Like, especially from, I feel like me and Ashlyn, since we love Tom Hiddleston, we're like, wait, he seems really good though. Like, why would you be suspicious? The dad's like, there's just something about him. And of course, he's, you know, finds out what happens. He doesn't tell the audience. He's just like, you need to leave. Yes. And you need to break my daughter's heart. So, in the back of your head, you're like, okay, something's wrong here. But with the romantic tension, you're like, no, it's forbidden love. They can't. Oh, they can't. No. Love trope. <laughs> that also brings tension. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah, you need someone to oppose it. Oh my gosh. Like, whatever you're going towards, you need someone to oppose. And that creates tension as well. Always. There's also a moment in this movie that really hits me every single time. And I take note of it every time I watch it. And it's when she she's forced to look at her father's corpse after he's brutally murdered.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, um, it's awful. <laughs> um, but the way that they do it isn't like... It's so different. And it's hard for me to even put it into words how different it is. It's because she focuses on these little details and not... Mm-hmm. The whole of the brutality like her first reaction isn't who did this it's my father's birthday is next week you have to cover up his face like he's very self-conscious about how he looks and that hits so much harder than any bloody game of thrones scene you know
1: yeah because i feel like this version of grief is more realistic oh yeah whenever uh, lord knows if someone passes away that's very close to you your first thought isn't that they're dead because the idea of someone being dead that you're very close to is almost... We want to reject it immediately. Right, right. So our brain wants to kind of make sense of it and mm-hmm. almost deny it. So the fact that they do this in this movie just makes it hit harder and makes it more relatable. Right. And that's what, with writing or with doing movies, that's what we're trying to get at. hmm Which is why the characters work so well is because they're so multidimensional. Right. And so human-like that we forget that we're watching a movie mm-hmm. and that all this was plotted out mm-hmm. and the characters were ma- made from scratch. These aren't real people. Because <laughs> it's like, you, you'll be able to tell. She needs right. all that. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, yeah. I love the grief scene. The romance is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Almost not, though. Romance? Really? Well, because if you think about it, they definitely play later it is. But mm-hmm. whenever they first meet, they definitely really swing hard with, The romance with rose-colored glasses.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Because then when you rewatch the movie, you're like, was this all an act? Exactly. You know, was he fed these lines? It's
1: almost too good. But the movie does it on purpose because we want them so bad to get together because we're like, oh, forbidden love. Yeah. Look at this tension. They all, they both are into each other's interests. They're both outcasts, yay. Yeah. His sister might be weird, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, like, (laughs) she's just, she just, I mean, like, what sister-in-law, like, like, likes other sister-in-laws, like, off the bat? Like, no. (laughs) Whenever uh, we watch something, it's always like they get married happily ever after. Right, right. But in this movie, you really have, you really get to see how probably a lot of Victorian or how marriages worked back then is that you're really just starting to get to know each other then. Mm-hmm. So we really see them almost awkwardly together and then slowly starting. Because, like, for example, there's a scene where he goes into his um,
0: little his toy attic. workshop. Yeah, thing. it's it's an attic, but it is a toy workshop. Thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it looks a little bit like... Um, Uh, The Phantom of the Opera. Um, But then she's, like, asking him questions and getting to know his research. And you can just tell by how his whole face lights up that he wasn't expecting that. Mm -hmm. It was almost
0: kind of like, we got together, you're married, this is just how it ends. Yeah. Especially in Victorian times. Yeah. I feel like you really don't have to marry for love. It's just kind of... Here's an advantageous match. Exactly. Get married and you don't have to look at each other ever again. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And and then in this moment too, you start. I think he starts to realize that this relationship is a lot more than just uh, a mirage or a manipulation. Yeah.
0: He caught feelings. He caught feelings very hard. (laughs) We love to see it. (laughs) We do.
1: And so did she as well. Yeah. Even though in that scene she was just kind of trying to sleep with him. I still I still commend it.
0: <laughs> she was trying really hard. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, they're just so in love with each other, and it's so sweet. And, and also, then you just ignore the twisted stuff that happens later. And also, too, the story does very well with holding sexual tension. Yeah, there was one sex scene in this film, and I gotta say, the first time we watched this, we watched it over... Facetime yeah, so it was me and Ashley and our friend Amber, because I was living in South Carolina at the time, and I wanted to be included right, right, As and not get confused we didn 't know anything about this movie, so well, the sex scene happened, and there was there 's no nudity it 's honestly there 's a little bit, and there yeah, but the only time is tom hiddleston 's whole butt is out, and all three of us go, oh, what <laughs> 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 like we 're all just so taken aback, even though we 're like we 've seen stuff like this before we 're just not expecting it.
1: <laughs> yes, the only reason why we're very shocked by it is not because of just, the like, nudity, but we're so used to female nudity when it comes to sex scenes. Right, it's awful. Yes. There's no equality. No, there isn't, and in this scene, just Not that st- I
0: even like watching sex scenes, but, like, whenever it comes on, you're like, oh, man, I get yeah. to watch another woman get objectified or yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah, or
1: you just see boobs the whole time. Like, yeah. it's not, it's, it's something that we all, I know, probably the girls out there, we all know that if there's a sex scene, the girl's gonna get naked, the guy isn't. Mm-hmm. we're not going to see anything of the guy. You'll see almost everything of the girl. That's just how it is. But the reason why we like this one is because there is a little bit of male nudity. Not saying, like, that's good. But the fact is is that they didn't focus on her. She was fully clothed the whole time, and they kind of showed him. I just saw this as a really big role reversal. Oh, and she was in control the
0: whole time. Yeah, and I was like,
1: this is a feminist film. Very, very feminist. But it's also, it's feminist, but without taking away, like... Because I know there's some people out there, like, feminist means, like we hate all men no this
0: this scene is what we mean though right because it this is more again realistic yeah and also the fact that um she's always in control of her own life well you know when her control is chipped away that's the whole conflict and i was like huh just like real life yeah exactly like her her entire character arc is her losing control of herself and her body yeah you know her life um no this scene i looked at it and i went guillermo you did it you yes. got feminism right because I yes. watch so many male-directed and written movies, and it's like she has to show more of her body because she's confident. And I'm like, no, like if that makes you confident, that's fine. But you yeah, know. and
1: also it helps this movie focus less on the actual sex and the fact that they're having a connection at this moment. Yeah. And um, they're also crossing boundaries. Right. Which we feel like was done very well.
0: (laughs) Um, There was was no love lost on that. Exactly. Tom Edelstein took his shirt off and we all went, ooh. There was some objectification while watching this film. (laughs) I remember it as we were watching it this time. I was like, I think I made up a little song after we signed off on that that FaceTime. Because I went to bed and I was singing it to myself. And it was, the best part of waking up. Is Tom Hiddleston's butt? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and I was like, wow, I hate myself. But also, like...
1: <laughs> it's too catchy not to say. I know. <laughs> um, but let's talk more about her, like you said, her whole control and her losing Yeah, her. That is
0: very... Right. Whenever you said it, that's very, very right. deep in the movie. Yeah, no. Um, so, as I like to brag to many people, is in college, I took a class on gender studies and horror movies. So, this is right up my alley. Um, so, throughout the film, we see Edith being you know different and wanting to take control and choose her own path but then as soon as she gets involved with sharp i almost said twins the sharp siblings Mm -hmm. she starts to the balance starts tipping and to the point where she um loses control of her own body like she's wheelchair she's in a wheelchair for a bit and she's like what is happening which allows lucille to direct where she is and where she's going Mm -hmm. um And I feel something else about this movie is that it's not a man really tipping the scales on her. Like, it is a little bit. Thomas definitely played a role. But it's definitely, yeah. But Lucille is, you know, behind a lot of it. (laughs)
1: Yes, and also, even though she's the bad guy, I do commend this movie being like, it's not the dude. Like, it's not this evil guy. It definitely switches it where it's like, no, this girl is smart. Yeah. And she can be vicious, even though she's really pretty. Yeah, yeah. And she is not just tagging along in this. She is the mastermind, which mm-hmm. also I'm like, she creepy, but yeah, she does very well. Oh my gosh, yeah. No, she's she gives me shivers. <laughs> yeah, and then also going off of how Edith uh, struggles with control, you see that in the beginning of the show too. That's all she wants is control. Control mm-hmm. over her life, control over her books. Who she loves. Who yeah. she gets to be which with. Which also could be why she's a writer, because she controls the the worlds that she makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the farther in that she gets in with this relationship, the more she loses control. Yeah. Because also she's being poisoned. Yeah. And then this um, <laughs> fun little note there. <laughs> yeah. And also because she's being tortured by ghosts, she's struggling this whole time to go get back to herself or mm-hmm. get back to control of her actions and who she's with. Yeah. Because um, and it also could just be another like annotation on marriage. <laughs> but I um, <laughs> won't get that far into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
0: therapy session. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, this movie is so, so good. It's v- so good. I mean, it's so twisted. The message it brings
1: is definitely kind of twists your idea of romance a little bit and of horror. Yeah. Um, and also, it kind of makes the people that don't like horror movies into horror movies.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So much of this movie is poetic. It's like, very poetic. Straight up poetic. Like, And the aesthetic so much of it of is the- just... Yeah. Pretty. The set design, the costume, everything has meaning, and I love that. Yeah. Like everything was definitely thought about before it was even placed and set. And the foreshadowing, the foreshadowing. The, yeah, the foreshadowing oh is everywhere. They literally give you the enti- every piece of the puzzle. And you're you're just on the edge of your seat, like, what's the box in the at what's the box in the basement? And what do the letters mean? What's on the
1: recording? Well, and the fact is, is that every piece that they give you, they it all comes back in the end and it all comes back in a very smart way.
0: Right, we've seen so many movies who just, they give you pieces and then the pieces don't lead anywhere or they just forget about the pieces and it's like... Like old. Like old, you don't feel like you're going anywhere. And as a reader, as a viewer, you need to feel like you're traveling somewhere, that all these things are gonna add up to something.
1: Exactly, they give you pieces but the pieces don't all fit together. They're just kind of out there for very convenient reasons. Right, they're plot points. That's the part of the plot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's just one plot point that doesn't connect to anything. It's just by itself. Right. Whenever I describe a plot, I describe it as being puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. And as a writer, it's your job to paint the puzzle pieces and then put the puzzle pieces together in the correct order. Um, whenever you do plot points like old, you're painting the puzzle piece and then throwing it across the room. Yeah. Away from the puzzle. <laughs> you're like, go fetch. Go <laughs> fetch. But like, later. <laughs> yeah. And then you can maybe pick it up later and then you put it back down. When it's convenient, you can go pick it up. <laughs> exactly. Or you're just kind of like shoving the pieces together and they don't actually fit. Right. Um, but in this movie, in Crimson Peak, that's not what, ha- what is happening. We definitely recommend this. Uh, we're gonna do more scary movies sure. in the future. I think we have a couple lined up. But we do.
0: Keep, um, if you have any questions or comments or movie recommendations, we do have an Instagram. It's we do at Plotted Podcast. Um, so definitely give us a DM if you can think of any movies, yes, bad sir. or good. Like we're open, honestly. <laughs> as long as it isn't gory, we don't do body horror. Um, yes so, so put that out of your mind caterpillar guys <laughs> I refuse it's true but that's not the name
1: it's okay though <laughs> they know what I'm talking about yeah. <laughs> oh um, even
0: centipedes.
1: don't do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> the human caterpillar um, yeah so the rest of this month we will be doing scary movies um Take that as you will, but uh, later we will get back into like Christmassy and oh November. And we'll stuff. have
1: cheerf- stuff. chill chill first up. chill
0: cheer 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 first It's okay. Cheerful. Uh- and this is us without alcohol. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, honestly, I should not. Um, no,
1: <laughs> we're not going to have any boozy episodes, guys. <laughs> if you believe us. Um So yeah, definitely leave comments, leave movie recommendations. We're all here for it. Thanks for listening,
0: and hope uh, you have a great. Stay and stay away from ghosts because they are jerk roommates yes or guys that with accents all right well let's not take it that far (laughs) away from guys with accents (laughs) Jana. darn it ashlyn (laughs) all right right. signing off all right bye. bye